At 1 p.m. HST, I know where I will be. Ukulele Underground Podcast for you and me. Aldrin and Erin and Kahai. And maybe Magic Mike or a guest on the fly. Ukulele Underground Podcast. Now here's the guys. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Ukulele Underground Podcast. My name is Aldrin Guerrero, joined by Mr. Aaron, the voice. Now, come over and say, what's up, Aaron? What's up? And Mr. Kahai, the legend, Ferguson. Say, what's up, Kahai? What's up? Kahai, usually you're like the only legend in, in, uh, in the show. But today, we have, we have the legend of legends joining us for, for today, Kahai. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do, you, do you realize, are, are you going to be intimidated that there's a, a higher legend than you today? <laughs> uh, is that going to be okay with you? No, is that, it, that cool? I, I'm not intimidated because this, this legend is like, like, he is one of the only people that I look forward to hugging. <laughs> oh, <laughs> give him that, that, is, that title. That is legendary status. That's like Lugia-Ho-O <laughs> Ho-O Celebi status. Yeah, well, it's like <laughs> hugging a bear right just, <laughs> yeah, a giant <laughs> giant teddy bear yeah <laughs> it's like two bears hugging <laughs> i've never uh, seen this before <laughs> yeah it's it's quite fascinating it's like watching a uh, discovery channel documentary like right from my eyes it's it's fun so today we have our special guest all the way from the island of oahu we have mr joe souza of kanye ukulele everyone How's it, how's it, how's it? How's it going, Joe? How's everything? Oh, good. How's life? <laughs> I guess I'm, I'm legendary kupuna status now. Not oh, yeah, yet. that's right. Congratulations. Oh, um, <laughs> yeah, uh, for everyone out there, we welcomed our our first grandchild. Uh, his name hey. is Kyaka Ikabai. So Kyaka Ikabai awesome. has joined our family. And <laughs> am a wonderful jewel that has been added and actually... Uh, in the past, Kristen and I would head home and we'd be looking mm-hmm. forward to being greeted at the door by all of our puppies, you know, all of our dogs, mm-hmm. Pea, Alohi, Keiki. But now we get greeted at the door by Kyaka Ikavai. <laughs> and it's... Oh, uh, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Super cool. So he asked, did, did, did he come out with like tools in his hand already and a cut of coal and stuff? Or? <laughs> well, uh, yeah. <laughs> He came out with a single malt whiskey and a cigar saying, okay. <laughs> Let's get to work. <laughs> Those yukes are not going to build themselves. <laughs> right on. So, Joe, we, we've been working together for a long time. Do you, do you remember how long we've been working together? Oh, man. I can remember the first time that we, and this is prior <laughs> to actually working together, but the first time that we met yeah. at uh, the Ukulele Festival. Ukulele Festival. Mm-hmm. Yeah, park and soon after we then of course seen each other again at the factory and mm. you know we got a talking story then yeah and, with ben benevente yeah with ben benevente yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 so you know i'm gonna i'm gonna kind of take a little stab in the dark but i want to say that was like 2008 or 2007 maybe Oh, yeah, yeah. Seven. seven or seven or eight. Seven or eight. Yeah. Ukulele Underground started in two thousand and seven. Right. So, so I want to yeah. say it was in that two thousand seven. You know, in that yeah. era to say. Yes, yeah. That's when we met. Yeah. Right, right, right. And I think we started working together in oh eight. I think we met yes. in 07, 07 or something. Right, right, right. That was crazy. Yeah, I was um we were up there uh with with, with someone and I think we can talk about it now. It's been like 
like how many years now because it was like it was a secret why we were there in the first place remember uh -huh. like do you remember why we were there yeah you, uh to the to the shop yeah to the shop yeah. at that like yeah because it was a it was a an ukulele video game that... Yeah, we were uh, we were producing this like or not well, we were helping produce this uh ukulele video game kind of like a guitar hero rock band kind of thing where like you know uh, people would use actual ukuleles to uh, you know to 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 do the, to play the game and stuff and we're like super excited and we were bringing this guy around and we you know we um uh, the guy who was the developer of uh, of the video game and we introduced him to you and to like uh, all the other ukulele factories in uh, in, in, in on Oahu because he was kind of interested in like learning uh like what how to build an ukulele so that we can kind of you know use maybe uh one of the one of the companies as a peripheral you know to uh for for the game so and that's ah, that was that was so long ago. that was fun but it didn't really uh, it didn't work out i mean obviously the game didn't you know didn't come out but it was it was cool because we were up there and i was up there uh you you were with ben benamente and then uh ben was uh i was actually looking for a uh, for a sponsor i i was you know i was like okay i'm starting to you know to tour now i'm doing all these things so uh you know i since i was gonna go take a tour of of like you know koloha kamaka kanilea uh, our our first stop was at kanilea and i'm like yeah i know this one I'm, i don't even need to go to the other two <laughs> i think i think i want to be a kanilea artist and um and, and ben was just like pulling for me he's like oh this guy or whatever you, you remember right, right. yeah <laughs> and you know ben actually even though he, he's like lives in california he mm -hmm. is so immersed in hawaiian music <laughs> you know and he, yeah Dude, you know, he's hitting me literally. Dude, <laughs> yeah, he goes, come on, man. you gotta know who this is. I was like, I know. <laughs> but he's so funny because he's so passionate. You know, yeah. you know, and, uh, and, and, you know, just to kind of fill everybody in a little bit of history, uh, Ben actually at the time was uh, one of the supervisors in the binding department at Taylor Guitar, and that's how we got introduced yeah. to Ben. Mm -hmm. Who eventually mm -hmm. he started, uh, you know, he moved up the um, in the Taylor family and eventually was managing um, several departments. But now, mm -hmm. you know, Ben has kind of retired from guitar manufacturing and he's really been pursuing music, you know, and focusing mm -hmm. on his uh, his music, which is really really cool. But super good brother, mm -hmm. definitely. Yeah, I, I owe him a lot because he was the one who was really he was really pushing for me that day. <laughs> he's like, oh, it's like, why don't you play something? And then I played like uh, snowflakes for you. Yeah, yeah schizophrenic snowflake. Yeah, and and then like you know we just we, we talked from there, and I think we uh, you know that that's that's how we became a Kanilea artist. I right. think like right. Yeah. Uh, it was it was awesome. It was, it was awesome. And I've I've been an art a Kanilea artist ever since. Never looked back. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's fun that's that's some that's some good times and we've you know we've worked together and um and you know built some pretty amazing ukes together i, I want to say together as if i you know like had a thing like uh helped out in any way but you know the you you're like the mastermind of all like the ukuleles that people have seen here on ukulele underground like you know with um even with this with this new ukulele that, that you know that uh that, that you uh, you gave me this 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 year this like the this relief is is amazing you're you're really like super innovative and uh and i love the fact that like if i have an idea i'll like i'll pitch it to you and like joe what about this like what about you know like that thing that we did with the neck of the ukulele why don't we make an entire ukulele like 
just just like that with that finish. Right. And I wanted to I want to ask you about that, like of uh, how how like the the silk finish kind of came to be, because that was something that, uh, that that we were kind of talking about for a while, and then it, it it became it came to fruition. Yeah, you know, and and really that was, you know, a hundred percent collaboration in that sense. You know, I don't want to say mm. that it was something that we necessarily had implemented more so you had opened up our eyes to what if you know and we're <laughs> this and this on mm. an ukulele you know on the on the whole instrument and create basically mm. today what is what is our silk you know our our, our e-silk uh model mm. and yeah you know the the to me i think the collaboration more from a builder player perspective or you know that and and with respect to you know that relationship mm. that we have is the feedback that you give us really helps me as a builder to kind of hone in what direction you know what are we going to do mm. on our instrument because mm. you know i mean there are certain to a certain degree I, i've had other requests that may be a little kind of far-fetched we had one request they wanted like a, a triple neck they wanted a guitar <laughs> a tenor, and an eight string tenor on an ukulele and i was like ah, that might be a little difficult you know to <laughs> candid but you know when it, when it's a legitimate feedback in this case hey what if we were to mm. create an instrument that you know the, the finish had that same feel as the neck mm. has on your instrument but on the whole instrument and to this day mm. you know through that collaboration my favorite finish is still the silk finish you know as an oh, wow. instrument and mm. i think that to me this feels good you know feels yeah. like butter and you want to play. Yeah. For people wondering, this is the uh, the silk fish. So, the ukulele that I play here on Ukulele Underground, the teaching uke that I use, this is a uh, an, an e silk kanilea ukulele. So, for those who are who are wondering, because I was like, I need something that won't reflect, because um, you know, if it's a gloss, like a high gloss ukulele, it's gonna show like the camera, or if there's like the sun and stuff. We usually filmed outside back then. Um, that was all like a, a hurdle that you know that we uh, we, we we didn't really wanna you know wanna do anymore with that with a glossy ukulele so it's, it's kind of cool to to receive an ukulele like this which is like i i dubbed it like the teaching uke because it's it, it really is like the best teaching ukulele because it's not necessarily it's not gonna make noise because it's not that sat like that satin finish you know when you when you rub against it it's gonna like make that noise and um and it still looks really nice you can still see like you, you know the highlighted uh like if there's curls on your ukulele or the, like the awesome grains and colors and stuff it it's it's really the one of the best finishes Thank you. And Honestly, it's cool. Yeah, it's one hundred percent collaboration in in its most beautiful form. You know, I mean, the result gave mm. us something that really is totally functional for you, especially, mm. and mm. even for a mm. builder. You know, to say why we put a finish on the instrument in the first place is really to protect mm. the instrument. So we wanna yeah. we wanna have an an instrument that's gonna stand the test of time, which the silk, mm. you know, that the e silk finish really does, mm. and bring the durability and you know kind of the peace of mind to say that comes mm -hmm. with from a from a player where you really don't worry about the instrument so much you know it's not fragile like you have to get a piece of silk between you and the instrument before you play it every <laughs> it's like this, 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 this delicate which which with respect to that type of finish that like a french polish mm -hmm. you know it's delicate for a reason so you're going to mm -hmm. treat the instrument a little differently. But I think being practical when you play your instrument, because 
Mm-hmm. We always tell you, right? Boss them up. Yeah. <laughs> we want you to, to boss it up. So by providing a finish that's durable enough to really kind of take the test of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and I've been I've been using it ever since. Like on all the you know like the the ukulele on the ground lessons that we do. Like if you know if it's not like a play along and stuff. If it's me sitting down doing you know like university stuff, especially U plus stuff. That's always the ukulele to go to just so that everybody can see the um, the, the frets clear because I I tend to not like seeing the you know the, the dots in in the front i like i usually like from the side and such as keep things clean but as a as a teacher you kind of need to show your students that and it was you know it, it was it was good to have something like this it doesn't reflect has the dots and it's not too fancy so anyone can look at it and be like oh like i i could i could own something like that you know it's not it's not something too out there but it's it's beautiful it's elegant and that's always been kind of the, the design that that i go towards so the first color that we collaborated with you know it, it had no like um no abalone none of that blingy stuff is just really just ebony and uh, and the slotted headstock too like we you know we um uh, we decided on, on doing this and the gilbert tuners so there's lots of stuff that we collaborated on throughout the year so thank you for for everything it's awesome for your feedback you know and we look forward to it honestly we we truly do mm. you know i mean even with your custom instrument now you had a wonderful list of feedback you know and, and mm. things that you found that were beautiful on the instrument the things that you know, needed to be tweaked to say, which we, we mm. expect it. You know, I mean, we want you, mm. whether it's, you know, action, uh, you know, note, uh, intonation, you know, clarity of the note, mm. the things that you're looking for, um, because mm. especially today, there's there's so many different string options and so many different combinations yeah. to say that, yeah. you know, and, and, and even with the, com- the, the, the combination of different custom features that we can do, you know, that really kind of, hones the instrument really into who you are as a player, you know, and what mm-hmm. sound you're looking for and really what features would make sense as far as your playing style or more importantly, mm-hmm. you know, what would be the right instrument in your hand, you know, what really feels good because that's the ultimate goal, right? From from a builder's point of view is to really provide the instrument or a instrument that is like perfect. When it sits in your hand, yeah. it feels right, you know, and you want to play and promote the fact that playing is good you know and it, it's a good part of your life to play and enjoy the ukulele right yeah yeah definitely i mean you know like if, if i'm going to be playing on stage if i'm going to be playing it all the time it has to be something that that fits you know like it's the best way or best word that i can just describe it it fits you know like it's just it's like tailor-made it's nice it just contours to 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 me <laughs> but yeah so um a, a little like i just want to share one you know one more thing before we get into the questions we've traveled pretty much the, the whole world together you know like we, we've been we've been we see we've seen it all but i think one of my favorite favorite moments that you know that that has you in it is when um when when i got engaged in italy you were the one holding my camera like or my, my camera to record the to record the moment and uh, you guys were the first ones to even know that i was going to propose that day like it was it was really cool but you know like out of all the places that we've been to what is what is the you know like the coolest memory that you have Oh man! So you can share. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, there, there are obviously a lot, you know, and and yeah, and we've had, we're, it was a blast, right? And mm-hmm. you know, uh, of course, even uh, when we went to uh, Korea and and mm-hmm. you know the, the the travels that we've done, of course, stateside, and I mean, even mm-hmm. even at home, you know, and and so yeah. 
most fondest <laughs> memories actually and it's it's a crazy memory because it was so funny yeah. at the time but um we were eating at like a coffee shop and uh we were with chris salvador and i want to say we were uh -huh. in korea okay it was the ukulele festival there that we were all part mm -hmm. of and um you know we're we're just talking story but the way yeah. that we were talking story and the way that our conversation went <laughs> was just classic you know and poor chris i think it was his first time really being exposed to you know Aldrin and I in that kind of open form. Relaxed matter. <laughs> oh my God, we were crying, laughing. It was so funny. You know, yeah. so that, that was, to me, that was, a, that was you know, as, as far as fond memories that, that, that come uh. right, that was one for sure. And, and of course, being in Italy and having you propose to Heather mm -hmm. and having that as part of your life's journey, you know, and, and having her being included and it being a total <laughs> surprise. You know, I mean, she, I had no idea. It was like, why are you calling yeah. me on stage? <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, I, I told her like, oh, we're going to, you know, we're going to play that song that I taught everyone. So why don't you go and take, take a picture with me and the people that I taught and stuff. So like that was the that was the bait, you know, like she's like, OK, I guess that's what I'm here for. Right. I'm your photographer or whatever. I'm like, yeah, yeah. So be my photographer. Do your job. Get up here. What are you doing? You know. <laughs> <laughs> but it was good it was good fun but yeah like 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 you said there's too too many too many times yeah, yeah there's yeah. so much such fun. good <laughs> good times man yeah i remember that it was uh it, i think it was chris's like first time like yeah. um me being maybe being out of the country or it's either yeah. that or thailand where like it was his first time it was probably his first time off the island <laughs> <laughs> Poor Chris is not here to defend himself. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, too too good, too good, too good. I mean, we we could sit here and talk on and on, but that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> but all right, so we uh, we told our audience that you know that um, that you're going to be here. So of course we got questions from people. That's usually how this podcast works. Um, you know, they ask us questions. I try to answer it as best as I can, and then Aaron and Kahai come up with their you know, uh, with their two cents, and we come up with the best six cent answer that we could provide here on this show. But we've got an expert in the house. We got a legend in the house, Kahai. That we got a legend that isn't Kahai in the house. So here we go, Kahai. Why don't you ask? Uh, oh, sorry, Aaron has a question. <laughs> Aaron, why don't you ask uh, Uncle Joe the the first question of the day? Yeah. So uh, Ukulele Underground has a public forum. Uh, you know aside from our main website mm -hmm. and there is actually a luthier's lounge in the public forum mm -hmm. and so we asked the the people in the luthier's lounge um, if they had any specific questions a lot of people just building in their garage a lot of people um, creating ukuleles you know on their own mm -hmm. and so uh, there, there are a couple people in the forum that didn't even know who you were. So maybe uh, just start with that. Like, you know, anything that um, from your early days building, like, like where did you start? How did you learn? And then um, kind of take us up to okay. now. Okay, <laughs> cool. Uh, you know, just to kind of sum up who we are as Kanilea and where it really started. Um, and and it, I think this story is pretty familiar to many of us who grew up here in Hawaii where the ukulele is introduced to us in the fourth grade and as you know everybody learns ukulele growing up here uh, I was very fortunate that my fourth grade music teacher just so happened to be my mom's twin sister 
who literally oh. grabbed me by the ear, sat me in the front of her class and said, <laughs> you're going to learn ukulele. You know, I was like, okay. And, um, but she planted a seed, you know, which became a love for this instrument. And that translated right in through high school. And even after graduation, uh, when I, uh, you know, I got my first real job after graduating from high school, I was working at the gas station, uh, which was literally right around the corner from where I grew up. And in that, um, I used to play my mom's ukulele a lot. And so she finally told me that, dude, you got to stop beating up on my ukulele and get your own ukulele. So uh, she introduced me to a gentleman. His name is Peter Bermudez. And I uh, bought my first four-string tenor ukulele from Uncle Pete. And he and I hit it off, which led to eventually him asking me one day if I'd like to learn how to build an ukulele. And I told him I'd be honored. And literally just apprenticed with him, swept the shop, learned about wood, started to understand quarterson and how to properly season the wood, and eventually started building ukulele with him in his shop. And the name of his ukulele was Haiku Yukes, because uh, mm-hmm. he literally is right here where we are in Haiku Valley, you know, right in Kaneohe. And uh, although Uncle Pete has passed, you know, what he planted or the seed that he nourished, I guess to say, allowed me to have the creativity that we do today, where even as Kanilea, you know, we, we never really built an instrument following what somebody does. He always promoted the fact that we could be innovative in his shop. And to the point where today, where, you know, the innovations and just really kind of the the not necessarily building in a box, but building outside of the box and what we do has led us to where we are today with, you know, our true innovations, the true bracing, our armrests, our bevel cutaway. Of course, this year with our true relief and having something that is totally unique and things that have never really been done on an instrument and having that part of who we are as Kanilea. You know, and we've always kind of I want to say navigated our way in a niche market, you know, because the ukulele and what we're doing is, is, you know, it's, it's pretty finite, but in that it also led us to doing things that are very different, you know, and setting different goals as a company, for example, uh, you know, the simple goal of planting a koa tree for every ukulele that we build has really led us to where we are today, where we're actively engaged in reforestation, and the conservation and restoration of our native Hawaiian forest. So these are all things that really kind of sum up Kanilea, you know, from our humble beginnings to where we are today, which really it's, we're a family owned company. It's Kristen, my wife, who's really the backbone of our company, myself, and now even our three sons who have joined in different capacities. You know, Kaimana, our oldest son does uh, sales and marketing, uh, Ilkepa, our middle son, actually took a liking to what Kristen did for many years, more on the HR and more the, um, you know, um, payroll and accounting side of what we do. And then Kahiao, who's our youngest son, who has now joined in more on what my role was as far as the building of the instrument. And, and, and of all three boys, he Kahiao, our youngest, is really the one who's a player. I mean, they all play. But Kahiao is the one at the end of the day after working, you know, a 12 hour day in the shop, he'll go home and I'll hear him, you know, either playing ukulele or playing guitar. And 
he really loves playing the instrument. So because of his input from a player's point of view, I think it, it, it marries very well into what we do as a company, you know, and how we build our instruments. And even beyond that, because I think it, in similar to myself, you know, it was that inquisitive young ukulele player that led to how does an ukulele work? How does it make sound? How does it hold a note? How does it have sustain? You know, all of the questions that a young inquisitive mind would have, and then being able to nourish it and kind of fuel those questions with what we do and how we build our instrument. How's that as a quick? Oh, okay. Yeah, that was awesome. Good answer. Good answer. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, so talking about the there, there was actually a lot of questions about uh, the reforest Hawaii, your your mm -hmm. initiative to to help uh, reforest. So that there was uh, our our users uh, bad habits and scrambled eggs and Kadia and even Yoda just chimed in asking like how did you come up with the idea for the reforest effort and then um, like what. As far as the legacy, like, do you, are you guys actually gonna eventually harvest those trees, or how long does it take, and how many like um, cuts of wood, or how many ukuleles can you make from a tree? Like, there was like a lot of questions like that. So, right, right, right. if you can kind of address that, I can, I can. I know there's a lot of questions in that. Um, you know, I think you know, just kind of starting from the, like the first, you know, kind of the why, you know, and, and why we've done it. And I think for an ukulele builder, and I would say for, you know, any woodworker, because let's face it, as a luthier, really, it's the epitome of anyone's woodworking career to be able to build an instrument, you know, an instrument, a musical instrument that's going to have to, you know, carry a note and be playable and, and in, in some ways, you know, be a, 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 an art piece that is really so unique and so one of a kind and so personal for so many people, right? <clears throat> but when we see the, as a woodworker, the epitome of a woodworker's career, the being the building of a musical instrument, and in our case, especially as a Hawaiian-made ukulele company, knowing how difficult it truly is to get koa, because it really is. And, you know, it's almost to a point where koa is becoming history or almost legend <laughs> in a sense where, oh, I remember grandma's old rocking chair. I remember grandma's old, you know, coffee table, because today it's really, really difficult to, to have koa to be able to make that rocking chair or to be able to, you know, create that, that beautiful dining room table or coffee table. And, you know, knowing that and having really a root or a foot that's rooted deeply into our Hawaiian culture and what we do, we see the importance of setting that simple goal of planting a koa tree for every ukulele we build. But, you know, to, to kind of talk a little bit about, well, what will that tree make? You know, w will it become an ukulele? And, I mean, with, with respect to, you know, with, 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 a, with a, a, a common approach, we would, it would make sense to, hey, you guys are planting koa trees so you guys can build more ukuleles. You know, I mean, the equation makes sense, right? Where when we really look at it, the trees that we're planting today really are never intended to become an ukulele. And so because we're planting with a, a, a kind of a unique perspective in the sense of they're not going to be cut, they're being restored to make sure that in a hundred years from now, yes, someone might be able to make an ukulele or 
might be able to make that rocking chair or that, that core furniture, we're not really planting it with the intention of, well, this is going to become an ukulele one day. And seeing it from kind of a more, um, you know, a Hawaiian perspective is it's really it's our responsibility or in Hawaiian terms, it's our kuleana, which means responsibility. It's really our kuleana to make sure that we take care of where we are. And in this case, without the forest, there is no ukulele. But really, when we start to see it in, in its true perspective, without the forest, there's no us, there's no people. So that's how important we see the restoration of our native forests and just seeing, you know, the natural water cycle being returned. And I can touch a little bit on that in, in a bit, but, you know, <clears throat> really seeing that without these trees, we wouldn't, yes, we wouldn't be able to make ukulele, but we wouldn't, there's a lot of things that they provide for us that are even beyond ukulele. So when we do see, like we had, uh, we're just talking story about this earlier, where we had one of uh, what we called the fallen koa tree. And literally, this was an old growth or kupuna koa tree that had fallen, turned completely 90 degrees and kept growing. And I can guess it probably fell maybe 50 years ago. The total age of the tree, guessing again, is probably anywhere between 120 to 130 years old beautiful example of an old kupuna koa tree. Well, we had a windstorm that came through our property and it blew the tree down. So it literally, you know, the tree died. And we've always shared that the life of this koa tree now lives in our instrument. And this is like a beautiful example of it because this one koa tree is huge. Uh, I could guesstimate we'll probably get anywhere between 800 to 900 board foot from this one core tree. So board foot is basically 12 inches by 12 inches by one inch thick, which is how koa and many other woods are sold. It's actually, um, you know, exotic hardwoods or tropical hardwoods. So here's a core tree that potentially has eight or 900 board foot in this beautiful tree. And when we plug that into, okay, let's take a tenor size ukulele. It takes us about 2.2 board foot to build a tenor size ukulele, you know, from a log to the final ready to become an ukulele, like what we call a set, the front, the back and the sides of the ukulele. <clears throat> so with that 2.2 board foot, if we plug that into a 800 to 900 board foot old growth core tree equation, potentially that one old growth core tree might provide 400, 500 ukuleles, you know, depending on the size of the instrument. And when we translate that simple equation of planting a core tree for every ukulele we build, that's how we see how the native forest is really going to be a win. You know, how the native forest is going to be restored and how it's going to be here for many generations to come. So really, you know, to kind of circle back on planting of the core tree and then it becoming something, you know, an ukulele, a furniture, a piece of furniture of sorts, but we see the other side of that, where for many years where we are now, our area, which is in Kealakekua on the island of Hawaii, so south of Kona, about maybe 20, 25 minutes south of where the airport is. <clears throat> and we were for many years in a drought to the point where our average annual rainfall was anywhere between 
35 to 40 inches over the last 30 plus years. So it's been really documented. Now that we're restoring the forests, we're seeing the water cycle to be reestablished. Now, this was an area that was cleared for cattle, you know, well over 100 years ago, which is a pretty common practice in the olden days, you know, making room for livestock on your property. But now that we've planted and we've planted well over 28,000 trees in this area, we see the water cycle returning. So now we're averaging about five inches of rain a week which translates to life, really, if we see water as life, as now it's providing life for the forest and really everything that's happening makai or towards the ocean of where we're planting. So seeing really that as the win, that the restoration of our native forests is gonna allow life to continue. And then also creating a forest that has biodiversity because we see that and the importance of that. As we started to step into the project, we learned that it's not just koa that needs our help. It's the other native species. It's sandalwood or iliahi that was nearly lost. It's mamane and mamaki and pilo and kolealaulii and maile and all of these beautiful native species that are part of a biodiverse forest. So really, that's what we've been focusing on. Yes, we're planting koa because it is a canopy species. So it's starting to reestablish the canopy in this faster um, kind of savanna area. But it's also coming in and planting all of those understory species to create the biodiversity and to create the habit for all of the native species besides the plant species, you know, the birds and the other species that really had lost their home due to the, the the deforestation that had taken place over the last hundred years. So it's kind of now become this educational component to us to understand that we as, especially as a voyaging society, you know, as Hawaiians, the forest was so important. You know, it allowed us to build a canoe to be able to voyage or to be able to travel, inter-island travel or you know, the, the medicine cabinet that our ancestors went to, which was in the forest and all of the health benefits that are now kind of proving in a sense where, uh, let's take mamaki, you know, this, this beautiful plant species, which is the life force of uh, the pulelehua, uh, which is our native Hawaiian butterfly or the, the um, what do they call the kamehameha butterfly. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's the primary food source for the pulelehua, but it's also has this huge medicinal property where the mamaki tea, now they're showing that it helps to reduce your blood pressure. It helps with circulation. It helps with getting you to relax. It doesn't have caffeine, so it's not a caffeinated tea, but they're able to prove kind of scientifically something that our ancestors already knew on the health benefits that many of these plant species have. So, you know, to kind of sum it all up at this point, uh, hopefully I was able to kind of touch a little bit on everyone's question. Uh, but, you know, just kind of understanding that really what we're doing and why we're doing it and kind of the, um, you know, the, the, the purpose of restoring our forests has really been more an educational component to, to us to teach us a little bit more on how to really kind of live in harmony with something that is so important to who we are as a people.
So how does you know uh, how does your plans change? Because I mean, you you see these changes happen like with you know with with nature. Uh, how like how does that change you guys' approach or plans to you know uh, for for reforestation? Now that you're seeing like the the uh, the direct effects that you know that reforestation is happening. Right, right, right. I I think for us it's you know kind of promoting the fact as a private landowner, there's a way that you can do this that's different. You know, better or worse, that that's that's an individual decision. But you know, something that's different than what was historically the way that people managed their land. So, you know, for many years, the the theory was you come in, you cut the timber, you sell the timber, you bring in cattle, and that's how you're going to make money on your property. You know, that's how you're going to, you know, create revenue on your land. But here we are, we're doing something totally different in a sense where we're really getting the animals out. We're coming and we're planting and we're restoring our forests and seeing the the positive effects of that, which in turn can be contagious in a good way. So our neighbors there, what we've done is we we've promoted the fact that there's another there's an alternative way to private land ownership. And we've inspired others. Now in this case, our neighbor, our Malka neighbor, they've planted over nine thousand keiki over the last two years. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's beautiful. Our our north neighbor, they planted 2,000 keiki, oh, about maybe three years ago, and they're right now in the middle of planting another round of about 2,000 keiki. Our neighbor, kind of mauka of us, slightly north of the road that we come up, which is called Pu'ulehua, he's planting 30,000 trees <laughs> right now. And kind of having this way of life or this way of, land stewardship you know and seeing it for really what it is as a way that we can do positive things to the land and know that the work that we're doing is really the 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 good footprint that we're leaving there on the land and showing that there's a way that you can do this and making our seed bank available because that that's one of the challenges is many of these uh, pastoral lands or these these savannas that have been created they don't have an existing seed bank they don't have tree species that can be planted but because uh, in our case a third of our parcel is actually an existing forest which really is kind of like a template for us we're able to open up our seed bank and make our seeds available to those who do want to plant and, you know, even for koa, we've learned that there's actually 267 subspecies of acacia koa that is literally scattered amongst the islands. Oh, wow. And it's really depending on its location, its geographical location, its elevation, the annual rainfall. You know, there's all these different components that make up the individual kind of subspecies to say. So by making our seed bank available, it's now allowing others in our area to know that the trees and the and the and the um, the forest that they're restoring is of the species that really belong there you know the the species that evolved in this kind of little microclimate to say to to really grow and thrive there mm -hmm. nice i mean and here i thought it was just like oahu koa <laughs> like big island koa kawaii koa <laughs> but that's crazy yeah. all right uh Aaron, do you have another you have another question? Uh, well, like uh, some related questions. Mm -hmm. um, I guess, can you go over uh, how koa is currently harvested? Because I, I think it's mm -hmm. it's only fallen trees, right? That, 
Yeah. I was gonna ask too, like, how do you get the the like seed or sapling? Do you just go to Home Depot and there's a, a koa section there? Or... <laughs> yeah, two koas, please. <laughs> you got a whole bunch of uh, halikoa over there. You can go. <laughs> uh, you know, and that's a great question because um, these are things that we we didn't know. We really didn't know. How to raise a kikikoa tree? Uh, we didn't even know what an iliahi or sandalwood looked like. You know, it's almost kind of elusive sandalwood. Um, you know, so to to learn how to you know propagate, raise, and of course eventually plant, we 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 did initially reach out to the experts. You know, and as we started to reach out to the experts, uh, the state there's a there's a forestry division in the state. There are other private landowners, big landowners, um, like Kamehameha Schools, who have been putting efforts to doing restoration work. But, you know, they have big projects that they're working on. And for us, we always thought, well, you know, we're just a little project. We're just a small little wedge in this area, to say. But they were always very helpful and willing to teach us. And, and there's actually programs through uh, the USDA that allow us to kind of help connect the dots. So uh, we learned about the state nursery that's there in uh, Waimea, uh, which is this beautiful old Paniolo town, as you kind of cross over from the east to west side of Hawaii Island. And in Waimea, there was, um, you know, the state nursery. There's a there's a, a wonderful botanist there who was kind of teaching in a way on how the plants are being raised and how to propagate and eventually, you know, how to plant. But even through, you know, these different resources, a lot of the theory was uh, just to get as many trees as you can into the ground as quick as you can. And, you know, you would get uh, anywhere between a 65 to 70% success rate. And so when Kristen and I were talking about how how does that make sense? You know, are we going to do all of this work only for like a C grade? You know, let's start to look at ways to to really propagate them well. And that's where we were introduced uh, to a gentleman. He's he's part of the state forestry. Uh, JB Friday had recommended to give the keiki more uh, greenhouse time and basically establish their roots better and, and what they call a root to shoot ratio. And giving them more greenhouse time could potentially allow you to have a better or successful uh, plant out. So, you know, even though we bought the parcel in 2014, we didn't do our first planting to 2017. And in 2017, we planted our first 5,000 keiki. And in that first year planting, we only lost five keiki after being planted out. Hmm. So we already knew that we were, we were, we're onto something, you know, we're successfully on to like the right course or, you know, with the hopes of having a success, uh, successful uh, restoration project. But, you know, I, I think another part of the question was not just how do we raise the keiki, you know, from seed, we, we, we built a greenhouse, we, we give them the proper root to shoot, then of course, plant them, plant them well. Uh, you know, it was also a little bit on how how koa is harvested, and even as a private landowner, you know, can you can you cut only dead or fallen koa trees and things like that? And you know, sadly, the reality is, as a private landowner, you can you can cut your trees. There's nothing that says that you can't cut it. But I think at some point, from a from a responsible private landowner, 
you know, there's there's a there's a moral and ethical responsibility that we have, and especially for in our case, because we have this existing forest, that we're we're just stewards, and we have to protect them. Our, our responsibility is really to to protect these old growth or kupuna trees, and so you know, seeing them in the right light, to know that without them, we 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 can't plant. We can't get seeds, you know, we can't restore the forest if we don't have these kupuna trees, you know, they're really a resource for us to be able to go back, have the keiki or have the seeds be gathered from them, raise the keiki in the greenhouse, and then of course plant the trees and, and, and restore in an area that we, we, we know that this is what it should look like as far as um, koa and biodiversity. So, you know, kind of leading up to today where you know the wood that we use and how we build our ukulele it's it's more uh a, an individual builder's responsibility in this case because you know this is the classic story right anything with value so she caused in this case where somebody shows up at the shop you know pulls up with their truck opens up this tarp lifts up the you know opens up in the back of the bed of the truck and Oh, bah, you like buy some coal from my grandma's house. I'm like, no. <laughs> you know, unless grandma lives on the top of the mountain, that is not from grandma's house. And who's going to go steal this coal, you know? Kind of <laughs> and I guess, you know, that's that's the other side as, a, as being a responsible builder, you know, knowing where the wood that you're using comes from and has it been responsibly sourced and has it been responsibly kind of handled you know and, and the stewardship of that piece to ultimately become a musical instrument and so you know seeing that really as a as a more of a priority more than not necessarily is it is it something that's in law or something that you know um is is being governed more so it's hey we're going to build an ukulele we want to make sure that the ukulele and what we're building that ukulele from is 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 pono you know it's 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 done right it's it's you know morally and ethically done right which then leads to building a good ukulele and that's really more on how we see today and the wood that we're being able to really bring life to in a, in a second life, I guess you could say, to these trees that are now part of our instrument. Hmm. So you're saying the call from my backyard is not instrument grade? So it's... <laughs> 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 if, 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 if a hundred years, then there's a chance you know, that we could okay, build an ukulele. Okay, I got, I got to uproot that whole tree and then put it up in koke'e for just like a hundred years and then we, and then it'll be instrument grade call, right? That's right. <laughs> it, was, it was nice that you didn't say Aldrin's name when you're talking about the guy pulling up with his truck. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> the anonymous this, this guy, we'll just call him Baldrin. That was, that was close. Uh, the feds coming after me. Uh, so, hey, Kahai, we, we are live right now, and there's some people in the live mm -hmm. chat. Do we have any questions from the live chat? Uh, yeah, we have a question, and then it also kind of ties into a question from our U Plus forum, too. Oh, right now. Uh, so, Yoda said, do you see a time if coal will be a protected species like the Brazilian mahogany? And then the question from our forum was, um, I know Kanilea is dedicated to reforestation to help address their environmental impact. 
Are there tone woods that are more sustainably harvested than others? And conversely, are there tone woods that you would not recommend because the wood is harvest, harvested unsustainably? Oh, spicy. Oh. Spicy yeah. question. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Uh, you know, to answer Yoda's question, you know, as far as will coal ever be um, kind of regulated to say, uh, in the foreseeable future, no. In the long-term future, absolutely not. I think there's enough like-minded individuals like ourselves who are taking the responsible steps to make sure that coal is here for many generations to come. And I say that very lovingly because that wasn't necessarily always the case. But now I think where we are and individuals recognizing the importance that COA has on our environment, that it will be here for many generations to come. You know, our little project, again, I reflect on is, is a little project. You know, it's 100 acres on the side of Mauna Loa, you know, one of the biggest mountains in the world. Uh, there are big landowners who are doing equal, if not even better, to say, by planting a ton. Uh, our neighbor south of us is a, a company called doTERRA. doTERRA um, specializes in therapeutic oils. They've planted over 300,000 trees already. Uh, they are going at it. I mean, it's unbelievable. And primarily, they're starting off with koa because koa is the ideal host for iliahi. And they're, they're really looking at creative ways of iliahi growing and, and harvesting and not necessarily doing the koa. The koa is more as the primary uh, canopy species and the, the ideal host for the iliahi. Um, and then... Uh, the next question was more on the sustainable side of koa and maybe you could refresh my memory a little bit kai please yeah uh it was asking if uh are there tone woods that are more sustainably harvested than others and then if are there tone woods that you wouldn't recommend because they're not harvested sustainably mm, that's a great question as far as my knowledge i know that there are some really really good uh, South American mahogany projects that have been long-standing you know I mean well over 30 years that they've been doing this different type of uh, reforestation slash sustainable forests uh, also in uh, in India East India and in Sri Lanka they they have some big projects there too that they've been planting uh, uh, rosewood you know for that exact purpose, you know, to be sustainably harvested. There's a few projects also in Fiji. There's another one in um, in uh, Jakarta uh, that uh, is more geared to tropical hardwoods that is designed to be sustainably harvested and sustainably done, to say. As far as woods that are kind of, you know, kapu to say in, in Hawaiian or, or taboo, um, I, I think some of them are, are, are pretty well known. You know, I, Brazilian rosewood is one of them uh, that if you're a builder, you want to make sure that that Brazilian rosewood has been responsibly harvested. I think it's super important that, you know, the, the, there are certain things that are are regulated to say in, in this case, you know, um, recognized globally in CITES as far as a species that 
should be guarded and as a builder you should be mindful of the, the wood that you're using. So Brazilian rosewood and having it IT certified to me, that's super important. I mean, besides the fact of you wouldn't want the ATF showing up at your shop or your house, you know, <laughs> guns are blazing to, to arrest you for, for, for something that, you know, that you, you do in many ways as a responsible builder, you do have control over. Uh, there, there are some other really cool projects that are taking place that I would say we'll start to see more of them coming out, uh, you know, with the intention of even even Brazilian Rosewood. I mean, there's there's projects that are going on there that is full on into the restoration of Brazilian Rosewood, which ultimately lead to a day. I don't know this day for sure, but it might lead to a day where instruments are being built from Brazilian rosewood that was and is responsibly harvested and being built, you know, in, in, in a recognizable way that it's sustainable. And this is something that can be done for generations. And I, I see more and more of those types of projects going to be coming really, you know, over the next 50 years to the point where as a, as a musical instrument builder or, or, you know, even as a woodworker and just having a love for woodworking, having these really, really exotic species available for us, whether it's to build a table or, or even if it's to do some uh, marquetry work or inlay work and or the tonal woods and having, you know, spruce and cedar and, and, and you know, some of the redwoods on top of you know, koa and uh, rosewood as part of what we can build from and, and being built sustainably, you know, and build built responsibly in that case to know that we're, we're providing, you know, a musical instrument to someone who is going to enjoy this instrument for many years to come. And it, it, it couldn't be a generational instrument where they're passing it on to their child or their grandchild. And at that time when that instrument is being passed on 25, 30 years from now, we're still able to build from that particular tone wood because the steps that we're doing today, you know, that, you know, we can't be the generation that says, oh, okay, this isn't our problem. We'll, we'll kick it to the next generation. They got to fix it. We being the generation, the responsible generation to say, this is something that we can fix and we can do, and it's not too late. And by making these steps now, it's just making sure that 50 years from now, we're going to be looked back and yeah, 2020 and 2021 is going to probably be shrouded in, in this kind of chapter of, of COVID history. But more importantly is, you know, the things that we're doing today and the work that we're doing today is put in place and has been done properly to the point where we can enjoy an ukulele or we can enjoy a musical instrument that has been made from and built from species that were planted back in 2015 2017 you know 2020 whatever because it, it was a windblown koa tree at 50 years old which could be 
a musical instrument. No wonder I've been seeing vans outside my house, Aaron. You know, this Brazilian rule <laughs> swing. I'm like, what's that van doing outside? Just parked outside. Because they're like listening in and stuff. What's well, going well, on? Well, Joe made, yeah, made your ukulele, so yeah, it's, it's legit. It's legit. <laughs> it is, it's all good. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, ukulele get papers, bro. Oh, yeah. That's oh, yeah. That's legit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's got passports, it's got everything. That's right. <laughs> yeah, got to show it to that officer and outside, like, hey, I know, I know you're why you're here. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so, um, you know, we're, we're, we're coming through with our, with our final, you know, um, final few, few, few minutes and moments here. But uh, any last minute stuff, Aaron, that, that you, you know, that we want to pitch at Joe before we. Uh, there were. A ton of questions so yeah. <laughs> I think, are you down surface. to answer a few more oh yeah of course absolutely and and i was going off a of memory i know there was one like that kind of hot topic kind of uh question yeah. that um it, it was in reference to us and using sand as an inlay mm. on our instrument and yeah. okay okay yeah, why, don't, why don't you ask that question aaron so that we can we can uh because I, th I think Aaron's, Aaron's got it. So just, we'll get it word for word verbatim what the question <laughs> was. Uh, it was just, uh, isn't, uh, isn't there some kapu on beach sand for inlays or are, are like, yeah. Right, right, right. Do you get, do you, basically, do you get permission or how, how do you go mm. about actually using sand? Yeah. Um, and, and that was a good choice of words, you know, kapu, right? Uh, which in mm. Hawaiian terms is, you know, off limits or taboo. And, um, you know, oddly enough, and I, please take this with a grain of salt, but, uh, you know, sand <laughs> is, um, it, it's, it's fish poop. <laughs> Protected. It, but, but when you make it into an inlay, right, it's very nice fish poop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a delicate, it's a delicate inlay. <laughs> but, yeah. uh, and, and with respect to, you know, um, we as Hawaiians, it's very common that if somebody asks you, where are you from? The question or the way that the question is worded is, what is your sense of your birth? And you would answer with where you're from, you know. So the thought behind inlaying sand into our instrument, that was where we were. The thought is, where are the sands of our birth? It's actually from Kailua. That's where both my wife Kristen and I are from. And that's what led to us using sand in time now where it's, it's, it's become popular. But it's so funny how the story kind of evolved. It was actually Bill, who was our old shop manager, uh, Bill Griffin, who was riding as he does at the end of work. He would go exercise and riding through Kailua and into Lanikai and riding his bike back home. And he's seen a plastic bag. And, you know, he's practicing aloha aina, pick up your opala, don't just let rubbish blow all over the place. So he went and picked up the bag to throw away. There was some sand in it. He took it home in his pocket. It went through the wash. He came to work and he pulled out this bag that was in his pocket and there was sand and he handed it over and he's like, oh, could we do something with this, you know? And that's really where the, the, the thought or the, the stem of the thought of including sand onto our instrument, which brings us to today where, you know, there was, there was some misuse of sand and people were using it in the makeup industry as kind of an exfoliating component and marketing it as Hawaiian sand, exfoliating your skin and all that. And mm -hmm. I get it. They had a great marketing strategy going ahead with that. But um, we found out 
as a resident of Hawaii, you can harvest two five-gallon buckets of sand a day. And how you use that sand is any way you want. You know, if you want to go build a wall and make mortar and mix cement, or you want to go level your lawn off and make it all nice and you know beautiful using the sand, or if you want to get the sand and you want to inlay it into your instrument, you actually can do it. You know, and that's that was kind of a a, a funny making sure of what we're doing is right before we actually do it kind of test. So I talked to my cousin who works for the DLNR, Department of Land and Natural Resources, and he was the one who kind of filled us in. So, you know, to say that it's kapu in a certain respect to the word, in many ways, it kind of deals more with something that's like rock and or something even as personal as like black sand to say that mm-hmm. there's 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 a certain connection that Hawaiians have with pohaku or with a rock that yeah. is different than with sand because the sand is referenced in many ways as the sands of your birth and in this case you know putting that sand onto our instrument is really what what in essence was important to us you know and i think that's where even for today to be kind of very modern in this is you know, respecting the land in a way that the land respects you. So, you know, to 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 utilize something from the land, in this case, stand, but then in respect, also making sure that whatever we're doing on, on, on what we're doing as a company, uh, you know, addresses the environmental impacts positively in what we're doing there, too. So I think there's just a way of that balance. And more so, you know, yes, there's a certain story to it. And in this case, the story is is pure. You know, it's it, the intentions are pure, which in turn, you know, that really allows something like this to be done properly. You know, and, and doing your research too. Don't just do it and say it's okay. <laughs> but actually yeah. doing your research and, and, and making sure that what you're doing is right. And I would say that that would go across the board with any builder. You know, if there's anything that you're going to be using on your instrument, make sure that it's been done right. You know, you properly either received it or it was properly put onto your instrument with the right intention or with a good heart or a good intention, which in turn would then translate onto your instrument. Any other spicy questions, Aaron, that we want answered before uh, we go? There was one or, or maybe a couple of really good questions about the D series because mm. uh, you guys, when did you uh, guys... I brought it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, when, when did you guys um, create the D series? Um, and because of the, the offset sound hole, there was some questions about how you braced it. Mm-hmm. And then also um, there was one really good question about uh, because... It looks like the way that you do your tops are book matched, mm-hmm. um, but because because of the offset sound hole, it doesn't necessarily have to be symmetrical. So you could, mm-hmm. are, do you have any plans, or have you considered um, using multiple pieces or uh, different arrangements of, of pieces for the top mm-hmm. um, to to really match the offset sound hole? No, it's a that's a really great question. You know, and I think in the symmetry in the grain, of course is unique 
in this case where the side sound hole, the D-shaped sound hole or offset sound hole um, takes away a little bit from that symmetry. And I, I, I don't foresee, to kind of answer the question as far as do, do we see us doing like a one-piece top or doing a four-piece top that seems that, that seems to be coming pretty popular in the guitar industry. I don't I don't really foresee that. Chances are it's going to still be symmetrical in a way. There has been talks of us doing like a double puka to say that could be a little bit more uh, kind of ergonomic or, or or a little bit more fluent to say in shape than just two holes. Um, <laughs> And, there, and there, we've had requests even. I mean, we've, we've done left-handed D-shape, which of course means we'd have to basically invert, you know, the soundboard, invert the bracing, which we were able to do. But, you know, can, can there be more improvements or can there be even uh, other forward steps that come with uh, a newly located sound hole that's not in a more conventional or traditional location? And I see that as, you know, I mean, I answer that question as yes, because I can see already the, the um, tonal benefits that has come with relocating the sound hole. And not saying that a, a conventional or traditional sound hole instrument doesn't sound good, because it does. But, you know, by moving the sound hole, we have kind of unlocked something in this case to freeing up our bracing, freeing up more of our soundboard, which is really what the original intention was, and looking creatively on how to get more resonance or get more vibration by freeing up more of the sound hole. And so I can foresee us doing more of that and, um, you know, kind of playing around even more with the shape. Um, you know, seeing something as unique as we did with our super tenor, but doing something that's even a little bit more unconventional in the tenor realm to say outside of a, you know, a, a traditional uh, tenor shape to our super tenor shape to a pineapple tenor shape to something that's even different or maybe even modern in shape in comparison to, to some of the more traditional uh, ukulele body shapes so those are all like you know new and upcoming things but they're also you know different ways that we've unlocked something in how our bracing and how the soundboard works on our instrument by freeing up the body kahai you're excused don't point it out joe to be sneaky there before we go i have to ask this one last question okay, what okay. can we expect from kanilea in 2022 Ooh, well because uh, we, we we didn't do like the nam you know like, yeah. interview with you this right. year so i have to I have to get yeah. my one nam question in <laughs> what can we expect and, from kanilea in 2022 in, in the chat izzy said a uh, Super duper tenor. Super duper tenor. It's called the guitar, I think. I think for us being innovative and pushing the envelope a bit, we are going to, for 2022, I mean, obviously our platinum is going to be mental. Uh, you know, <laughs> what we're doing with our 2022 platinum is 
even beyond what we did for 2021. And, uh, you know, it's, it's exciting, but without letting the cat out of the bag, you know, um, it, it's, it's doing this balance between the bracing mass volume projection. I mean, just getting something that is like blow your socks off and is it going to be a super tenor? Yes. Oh. <laughs> it's going to be a super tenor. You know, I don't, I don't know how our marketing department. I'll talk to Kaimana about. <laughs> but um, you know, I mean, we're really excited for the 2022 platinum because it's starting. It, it, it's showing. I think most importantly, how we as ukulele builders can continue to innovate and do what really nobody has ever done on an ukulele and do it in, in, in the capacity that we can as Kanilea. And, you know, it's, it's kind of a little bit of a segue, you know, when you ask about the super duper tenor and, and, and kind of leaning, leaning a little bit onto, you know, what, what would be a Kanilea guitar or something of the sort to say outside of our guitar lele. And, you know, with, 2023 on the horizon and that being our 25th anniversary i can foresee us doing something as special as the super duper Aww. super duper tenor oh there it is you heard it here folks <laughs> <laughs> you know, so many so many who would love you know mm. a kanilea like that that would yeah, yeah. Be, you know who we are is what we and, and what we build, but all of those innovations being put into something that really not too many guitar builders have even gone into, you know, those are a little mm -hmm. uncharted even for them. Since this one was an overtime question, we're going to kind of edit it out and only people who are here live <laughs> can get this <laughs> information. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> It's exclusive. It's breaking news. I was excited. I was like, I was clapping my hands. I'm like, I, I want to be first in line right now. <laughs> Take my money. <laughs> Guys there waiting. His credit cards heating up. <laughs> oh, it's gonna be it's gonna be awesome. Joe, it's it's all it's always a pleasure talking story with you and, and just you sharing your wisdom with, with everyone. It's 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 always a pleasure. Thanks so much. It's an, it's an honor to have you here. It's an honor to hear you know your stories and your uh, your process and your just your your noble intentions for like for the world and for for Hawaii. It's 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 always great. So thank you so much for joining us here in Ukulele Underground. Uh, anything else before we go, Kahai? Uh, no. Oh, well, uh, do you want to talk about that content? Oh yeah. So this this one from this is straight from your from your shop. Ooh, yeah. This is a, a K1 concert deluxe. Right, right, right. So what what is what's what's the difference between a regular K1 and a K1 deluxe? Ooh, good question. <laughs> it has to do with the core. It has to good it has mm. to do with the wood that we built the instrument from. And I know that was another question that we maybe just slightly touched upon as far as core mm. and the and the and the grading of core. But you know, for <laughs> us, uh, we, we try to to really define better because you know in the musical instrument world <clears throat> the the way that wood is graded is typically on an a system you know it's 1a 2a 3a 4a 5a and it got 
to me, it got very convoluted. You know, what somebody said was 3A could have been judged more as 2A, but then is it a 4A? And, you know, I mean, everybody, there was no definitive percentage. And so what we did is we came in and as we as Kanilea, and I'm not trying to change an industry. I'm just saying, hey, let's put some guidelines. And in this case, the <laughs> guidelines to become a deluxe means that it's going to have curl and a minimum of 30 to 60 percent of the instrument is going to be curly and to us that made you know physical sense because it gave us something that's kind of measurable and then same thing with premium it's going to be 61 to 90 percent curly coal you know and then from there 91 to 100 percent would be master grade and in the master grade we start to get into color and, and there is some 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 room to say for to to be subjective a little bit but the ultimate goal really was to set something that was more defined and in this case by a k1 concert deluxe we know for a fact that it's going to have anywhere between 30 to 60 percent curly coal on the instrument and the wood is beautiful as it should be on a deluxe and it, in, in that case, it's still the beauty and simplicity, too. For me, what I see as a K1 concert deluxe, beautiful coil, ebony fingerboard, ebony bridge, you know, ebony head plate, uh, white mother of pearl, logo inlay, position markers, you know, a beautiful ukulele that is a functioning, available ukulele, to say. You know, it's not too blingy or not too fancy, right. where pricing-wise, it gets a little bit hard, too to afford you know yeah so in in local mocha terms this is a good amount of gravy in 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 there <laughs> so local mocha deluxe local yeah mocha deluxe. <laughs> yeah right yeah. but yeah we are we are giving uh we are giving this away or you can win this um k1 concert deluxe here on ukulele underground if you are a uu plus subscriber before the end of today because today is the last day of september so for everyone who are uh you know who is subscribed to ukulele underground plus by the end of september is automatically entered for a chance to win this beautiful K1 concert deluxe from Kanilea Ukulele. Awesome. So this, this is some some extra gravy in extra it. Gravy. It's just it's not yeah, yeah good stay local mocha terms. Okay. Some extra gravy it's, on this, you know. It's so, like a hamburger with tomatoes and <laughs> all the, the... who you oh I, I thought you were gonna you, you're still talking about local mocha. I'm like who puts tomato and stuff in local mocha? Get that out of there. Get out of my oh, plate. You know, ketchup is tomato. All right, so thank thank you once again, Joe, for for everything. Thank You're you welcome. for you know for for this beautiful instrument. Thank you for Kanilea. Thank you for all your efforts. You know with uh, with the reforestation. Um, and if anyone is interested in any of this stuff, we have all the information in the uh, in the show notes, right, Kahai? And uh, you guys can yeah. click on these links to find out more information about Reforest Hawaii, about Kanilea ukulele and uh yeah so if you guys you know if you guys ever are are on oahu like check check out kanile ukuleles and um you guys you guys are not doing in, in person tours yet we we are doing just private tours if they reach out to mm. us uh, of course mm. still recognizing social distancing so you know okay. you go ahead and give us a call or drop us an email and lena will yep. coordinate with you as far as yeah. any private tours 
it's like it's it's the best ukulele tour you know like just just set aside your whole day <laughs> like, this is this is what you're gonna do for that day like just the kailea tour that's it don't plan anything else that day just make sure that that's that's what you do okay because it's it's awesome you're gonna want to stay even after the the tour is over you're gonna be in that showroom looking at ukuleles and you're just like i just want to sleep here you know like and surrounded by all these beautiful ukuleles so just make it a day if you're ever on oahu check out kailea ukuleles or uh go to your local music store pick up a kailea ukulele and know that that's that's some got some good stuff got some extra gravy in some of those things yeah all right we'll see you guys later have a great one aloha everyone aloha